Paying the Price for the Immaculate Conception by Father Daniel Couture Can you explain and defend this important dogma from scripture, from reason, from magisterial teaching? Every grace must be won or merited. So what must have been the cost of a grace as great as the Immaculate Conception? And how can you be a part of paying that cost? All this and much more is addressed by Father in this eighth episode of the Fatima Center's No Mary, No Jesus series. I'm Father Daniel Couture. Welcome to this ongoing series of talks on Our Lady to deepen our devotion to the Immaculate Heart of Mary, which is the major goal of the message of Fatima. God wants to establish in the world devotion to my Immaculate Heart. We want to make sure we have a proper devotion, a true devotion, as St. Louis de Montfort called his book. We have seen a divine motherhood. We have started to talk about the Immaculate Conception, how Our Lady wants to be called the Immaculate Conception. I am the Immaculate Conception she said to St. Bernadette. We have spoken about grace because when we speak of Immaculate Conception, we're going to have to speak about grace. We need to define grace. Grace is that life of God that comes into our soul. St. Thomas says, grace is for the soul what blood is for the body. It's the life of the soul. I would like in the second part of these two talks on the Immaculate Conception, to look at the text defining this truth by Pope Pius IX in 1854 and comment and draw some conclusions for us. So let's look at the text of Pius IX. It's the bull Ineffabilis Deus, December 8, 1854. We declare, announce and define that the doctrine which states that the Blessed Virgin Mary was preserved in the first instant of her conception by a singular grace and privilege of God omnipotent and because of the merits of Jesus Christ, the Savior of the human race, free from all stain of original sin, that this doctrine is revealed by God and must therefore be believed firmly and with constancy by all the faithful. So these are the words of Pius IX declaring infallibly the dogma of the Immaculate Conception on December 8, 1854. Let us look at three points of the words of Pius IX. First of all, it is said that Our Lady was preserved. She was preserved from the stain of original sin from the first instant of her conception. What is original sin? The church has not defined what is the intimate nature of original sin. Original sin is a, is a privation. We know original sin by its effect, its enmity or divine malediction, a stain of the soul, a state of injustice or spiritual death slave of the devil, subject to the law of concupiscence, of suffering, of 
physical death as punishment for the common sin. So, remember Adam and Eve? They received many gifts from God. The gift of immortality, of impassibility, no suffering, of integrity, no passion. And and they received sanctifying grace, immortality. And by committing the sin, the gift of knowledge is the other one. By committing the sin, original sin, they lost these gifts. Some gifts, some gifts they could not pass on to their children. We call these preternatural gifts. We, the children of Adam and Eve, are conceived and born without these gifts. Essentially, without the gift of sanctifying grace. Some gifts were special to Adam. They would not have been passed on because he was the first man, the head of the human race. But other gifts he could have passed on. And normally, he should have passed on sanctifying grace. So, we would have been conceived immaculate had there been no original sin. But they lost grace before the conception of their first child. And so, instead of giving supernatural life with the natural life, they gave the natural life, but the soul was dead, without grace. So, Our Lady was preserved. When God created the soul of Our Lady, Our Lady had the father and the mother, St. Anna and St. Joachim. They provided the matter for the body, but God, like us, God created the soul of Our Lady. Normally, when the soul was united to the body, she should have incurred original sin because she was conceived naturally. But here the Pope is saying, from the first instant. So she was shielded, so to speak. Original sin was not transmitted to her from the first instant. So she did not have, as a consequence, she did not have all these effects which are concupiscence, which is uh, normally suffering and death and as, as pain of sin and slavery under the devil. So, it's a preservation of the privation of grace. So, in other words, she is conceived with grace, not without grace. She's conceived without sin and with grace. Secondly, the definition of Pius IX says that this happened by virtue of the merits of our Lord Jesus Christ, Savior of mankind. So, Our Lady was redeemed. Protestants don't understand this. The fact that, well, we say Mary is immaculate, therefore, St. Paul is wrong when St. Paul said that we all need redemption. Well, if, if you say Mary is immaculate, then she does not need redemption. Ah, but there's many ways of redeeming. You can redeem after, or you can redeem before. You can heal a wound that have happened, or you can prevent a wound. That's even more perfect. Because if there, if there was a broken bone, you need to put a cast, and the bone will never be the same. But if you prevent the broken bone, you have saved even better than cured. And this was done by the merits 
of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have to remember that. It's a preserving redemption. And this is mentioned many times in the liturgy, whenever we speak about the Immaculate Conception. It says, in view of the death of her son, that she was preserved from the stain of sin. And thirdly, thirdly, this doctrine, so first is the preservation of original sin, secondly, by virtue of the merits of her son, and thirdly, this doctrine is revealed. Revealed, which means not that the Pope has made up this truth, but by studying scripture and the testimony of tradition, the early generations of fathers, that it has always been believed by all Catholics at all times. That are the, these are the, the rules that uh, St. Vincent of Lerins give. If you want to know if something is truly Catholic, well, his expression is, quote, ubique semper et abomnibus. Has it been believed? Ubique, everywhere. Ubiquity is everywhere. Semper, at all times. And abomnibus, everyone who accepted the Catholic faith, believe this. If you can prove this, well then, it's part of the deposit of faith. And usually, when a Pope proclaims a dogma, such as the Immaculate Conception, the Assumption, or any other dogma, the whole encyclical proclaiming the dogma, the papal document, it's, it could be a, if it's a bull, will make the history of belief in this truth. And so, Pius IX does the same. First, arguments of scripture, and then we'll have arguments of tradition. So, what are the arguments of scripture? Do we find in scripture text which implicitly the words Immaculate Conception are not in Scripture, granted. Not everything is in Scripture. Read St. John, who said our Lord did many other things which have not been written in this book. And don't forget, Moses is the one who wrote the first books of Scripture. But Moses is about 1500 B.C. So, if we say that Adam and Eve is for about 4000 B.C., so we have two and a half thousand years where there was no scripture. But faith, faith was passed on orally by tradition. And it's only Moses who started writing. So the two texts, classical texts of scripture implicitly containing the truth of the Immaculate Conception is Genesis 3.15, I shall put enmities between thee and the woman and her seed and thy seed she shall crush thy head. And St. Luke 1.28, Hail, full of grace, blessed art thou among women. So let's say a few words about each. I shall put enmity between thee and the woman. There's going to be war. Enmity is a war, is, an, is, a, is a conflict. This conflict, this enmity, this warfare would not be total if Our Lady had, even for one instant, been under the domain of the devil, if she had had 
the stain of sin for a moment. Father Rodriguez, famous writer, famous Jesuit, who wrote the book on the Christian perfection, he tells the story of the vision that uh, an old monk had years ago in the Middle Ages, where he, he witnesses demons coming back to hell and giving report to Lucifer of their mission on earth. And one caused a, a revolution, one caused a war, the other led a whole number of people into impurities, into all kinds of sins. And Lucifer was very ruthless, was just very angry with all of them. And after everybody was giving their report, there was one one demon that came in last and said, where have you been? Well, I haven't seen you for a long time. Yes, it took me 40 years, 40 years to make this priest fall. I got him. I got him. After 40 years. Remember the story of Samson. The story of Samson with Dalila trying to make Samson fall. Okay, she tries, she tries, she tries. And sometimes women can make a man fall after, after years of, of trying. But these women can say, I, I have succeeded. I made the man fall. Well, it's the same thing here. This enmity must be perfect. If Our Lady had given an inch, the devil would have said, well, at least I got her for a bit. The victory would not be total. But here is, it's like 10-0. It has to be zero. He has no, no ground. She's the Tower of Ivory. He has no grip on her. The house of gold. That principle of enmity, says Father Garrigou Lagrange, is not in the uh, maternity of Eve. That woman is not Eve. That woman is another woman God is speaking of. Is that the victory of the Redeemer is Affirm here, it's a total victory of the Redeemer and his mother. She shall crush thy head. There's a beautiful painting of Caravaggio, where you see Our Lady holding little Jesus, four or five years old. Jesus is stepping on a snake, but Mary's holding him. It's, it's teamwork. They're doing it together. So, that's the first passage. So that enmity, the Immaculate Conception, is a total preservation, not just 99.9%. It's total. The second part is St. Luke 128. Hail, full of grace. And the whole of tradition, apostolic tradition, the early traditions, the fathers, is unanimous. To say that full of grace means that Our Lady is fully pleasing to God and beloved by Him. And they're not limited in time. Some religions say that Our Lady became full of grace, filled with grace, on the day of the Annunciation. But the Immaculate Conception is not that. Immaculate Conception is when God created the soul of Mary and united it to his body. So, she was never deprived of grace. That is what we mean. That was the church means, full of grace. That's what the St. Gabriel means, God himself. St. Thomas Aquinas says, we have to believe reasonably that she who had for mission to give birth to the unique Son of God, 
who is full of grace and of truth, has received more than any other saints the greatest privileges of grace. If Jeremiah, if St. John the Baptist were sanctified before their birth, we have to believe reasonably that it was the same for Our Lady, says St. Thomas Aquinas. So, what are the reasons, theological reasons, which make this truth befitting? Well, the stain of children falls back on parents, but also vice versa. In a family where if the father or the mother do something, does something wrong, the children are humiliated by this as well. If a father has to go to jail and the kids goes to school, is that your father who went to jail? So he's not very proud of his father. So the ignominy of parents falls on children. And as we have said in a previous talk, she has had an affinity, she has a, a relation of consanguinity with God himself. And so it was becoming that this woman who would conceive God in his humanity, that in whom God would dwell, and that she would give birth to whom? To God, that she would be immaculate. It's just befitting. She's the house of gold. She's a seal found, a seal gardened. And as God the Son proceeds in a virginal way from God the Father. God the Father begets the Son eternally. It is, was becoming that our Lord as man would be born of a woman stainless in whom nothing is lacking to holiness. Let me quote to you a few passages of a priest called Father Sisla Speak. He's a Dominican. He died in the 1990s, I think. Father Speak has a little booklet called What Jesus Owes to His Mother According to Biblical Theology and the Theologians of the Middle Ages. Beautiful little booklet. Just a few pages. Very theological, however. But I would like to read you some of his arguments for the Immaculate Conception, which we rarely think of. So he speaks of the two principles of the humanity of our Lord. We have, he was conceived by the Holy Ghost in the Virgin Mary. So, so we have the Holy Ghost, obviously, who is infinite perfection, but we have Mary. As regards the other person involved, in the Blessed Virgin Mary, we have an utterly extraordinary being since she had the unique privilege of being immaculate in her own very conception. Belonging to a fallen race at enmity with God, she had this privilege of being exempted from all participation in original sin and its consequences. But this is only the negative aspect of her immaculate conception. This privilege carried with it a positive good sanctifying grace, a fullness of sanctifying grace, and this is of the greatest importance. Father Speak will then use some truths of philosophy, saying that she had to provide the matter 
of the body of our Lord. The Holy Virgin had to be perfect in her body because she had to provide the whole matter from which the body of her child would be formed. We are all members of the human race, one species, the human species, which means that, and this is our, these are philosophical truths, that when God creates a human soul, all the souls are identical. Because that gives us our species. If our Lord's soul had been different than ours, he would not be human. He would be of a different species. He would not be part of mankind, but of another kind. That's why each angel is a different species, because they don't have a body which will make the difference. But for us human, what makes the difference between two human beings is not their soul, it's their body which they receive from their parents. Father Speak says, the soul of Christ is exactly the same as ours, but this particular soul is united to this particular body, and this is what makes it an individual and differentiates it from all others. Let's continue. That is what they call the principle of individuation. But let's continue, because the consequence, even for us humans, very important. Father Speak says, if one soul is more intelligent than another, it is because its intelligence is served by a more sensitive and more refined physical constitution. The health of the parents is very important for the health of the baby. We know that. Parents who take drugs or mother who take drugs or listen to heavy metal rock, this will have consequences for the baby. Father Speak continues. Consequently, since all souls are equal, and it is the qualities of bodies which differentiates each soul from other souls, we now understand the extreme importance of the body of our Lord being perfect as an organized body destined for union with a soul. It follows, therefore, that the body of his mother should also be perfect. It was not enough that the Blessed Virgin Mary be holy. Nothing that was not materially integral could pass from her to him. And so Father Speak concludes, Consequently, we must say that our Lord's body was the only human body in all its splendor since the time of Adam. Jesus was beautiful physically, magnificently beautiful, and he owed his beauty to his mother. It's beautiful. The consequences for our Lord's, our Lord's body and to make him also a better victim for the sacrifice. We'll speak about that later on because Jesus also was immaculate in his conception. Therefore, his suffering was going to be greater. Other consequences of the immaculate conception is Our Lady never had this disorder in her, these what we call the wounds of original sin. She was never prone to error. She was subject to suffering and death, but not as a consequence of original sin. 
as part of mankind, which is composed of parts, therefore, which eventually, if there's not a privilege of God, will dissolve. And Father Garrigou Lagrange adds this last thought, which has been an object of contemplation for contemplative souls. And it will help you as well to understand even a little bit deeper the sorrowful and immaculate heart of Mary. Father Garrigou says, The privilege of the immaculate conception and the fullness of grace, far from withdrawing Mary from pain, increased considerably in her the capacity to suffer of the greatest of evil, which is sin. Because she was absolutely pure, because her immaculate heart was inflamed with divine charity, Mary suffered exceptionally of the greatest evils, which are fragility, our sinfulness prevents us from suffering. We suffer when our susceptibility is hurt, when our pride, when our self-love are hurt. Mary suffered from sin in the measure of her love for God, which sin offends. In the measure of her love for her Son, which sin crucified. In the measure of her love for our souls, which sin wound and kill. The privilege of the Immaculate Conception, far from withdrawing Mary to, suffer, to sorrow, increased thus her suffering and prepared her to support them so well that she never lost any and constantly offered them with those of her Son for our salvation. It's beautiful, beautiful consequences. Because she was immaculate, she suffered more. Yes, yes. So, how can we imitate, or is there something in this truth of the Immaculate Conception that we can imitate? Well, first I would say, our Queen, our Mother, is at war with the devil. That enmity, as I try to explain, is total, is absolute. The first consequence is, if she is our mother, the enmity is between the mother, the woman, and the serpent, and her seed, and his seed. So, this enmity must be in us as well. So, we cannot have a true devotion to Mary if we, after saying rosary, we go and watch dirty movies on, on the internet. Or, if we live during the week as if Our Lady did not matter for us. We must be at enmity with the devil as well. When we commit sin, the devil looks at Our Lady and says, I got one of your children. Ha <laughs> ha, good for you. I cannot get you, but I get your children. The truth of the Immaculate Conception should be conducive to make us more and more immaculate. We should stop committing sin if we are the children of such an immaculate mother. 
I mentioned at last the question of suffering. Our Lady, with her Immaculate Conception, she became more sensitive to suffering physically, because her body was more perfect, but also in her soul. When she saw the sins being committed, sins that offend God, sins that crucified her son. And so we ought as well to be allergic to sin. And when we see sin, when we hear about sin, some scandals, and God knows there's scandals every day and shocking things in the news. The news love this, but we should be like St. John when we hear of a betrayal. We should lean over and console our Lord. We should suffer from that betrayal. Too often, we will just, oh yeah, there again, we knew it. But we're like tourists. We're not like children of God. If your, your mother is being hurt, you're going to rush at her help. If your brother has been hit by a car, you're not just going to watch him wean in pain. You're going to, I can do something right away. Well, when we see a sinner falling into sin, we should react as well and try to console our Lord. Remember the angel at Fatima said, console your God, horribly outraged in the sacrament of his love. So we should have, like Our Lady, a, a greater sensitiveness to reparation. The whole devotion of our of reparation to the Immaculate Heart of Mary is one of reparation precisely to atone for, to repair, to make up for, to do penance for. Remember the first apparition. Children, are you willing to accept all the sacrifices God will send you? We should be in that same disposition because that was the disposition of the Immaculate Heart. Our Lady did not ask anything to the children that she herself did not live before. And so we should have also that desire to suffer with Jesus, with Mary. And finally, if Our Lady was Immaculate Conception by virtue of the passion of our Lord, all the passion of our Lord was for that diamond, that privilege of the Immaculate Conception. And so throughout the whole passion, Jesus was thinking, now it is payback time. It's like buying with a credit card. Buy now, pay later. Well, Our Lady was redeemed, purchased in advance. Our Lord had to pay the price later. That is the passion. So the whole passion is to pay for that privilege of the preservation of the original sin in Our Lady. And so, if we think of the word of St. Paul when he says, I complete in my flesh what is lacking to the sufferings of Christ for his church, we can also complete in our flesh whenever we have sacrifices to make, we can fast, we can do some different sacrifices, but we can do that as well to, I would say, unite a little drop of water to the passion of our Lord for that privilege of the Immaculate Conception. We can add our pennies to the diamonds which our Lord gave for that privilege of his mother. So whenever you have something to suffer, a voluntary sacrifice or something which is that falls on you, the weather, sickness, whatever, was offer it up, Blessed Mother, I'll offer it up because I'm so proud to have you as my mother and 
for your privilege of the Immaculate Conception. I want to add my pennies to it as well. So, that is, in a short, few short words, uh, what the Catholic teaching is on the Immaculate Conception. I encourage you to read Father Garrigou Lagrange, try to get a hold of this book by Father Speak, which has been uh, reprinted in the Philippines. This is a photocopy of the book. They have printed a copy the, uh, in Singapore. And, uh, but let us, and we will in the next talks, that we will try to drive in more consequences of that privilege. Today we spoke of the dogma itself. In the next talk we'll speak about the fullness of grace and, and the consequences in the life of Our Lady afterwards. May God bless you. O Mary, conceive without sin. Pray for us who have recourse to thee. Thank you very much. This presentation has been brought to you by the Fatima Center. Copyright 2021. All rights reserved. For more resources regarding the Catholic faith and the message of Fatima, and to support this vital apostolate with a much-needed donation, please visit our website, Fatima.org, or call us at 1-800-263-8160. So many souls need to know and love Mary, so as to truly know and love Jesus. For the glory of God and the salvation of souls, please share this talk with others. And may God reward you. Our Lady of Fatima, pray for us.